Welcome everybody to another wealthy podcast. I have the entrepreneur, investor, philosopher, Peter Esho on the show today for episode number one. Thank you, mate. You're my business partner. We haven't been, we haven't done one of these shows in a while and it's good to have you back. Dom, I haven't done a podcast with anybody else. I've been waiting for your podcast to come back. So uh, I'm all yours. Good to be back. I'm really excited for what you've got planned this this new season. Thanks, man. And look, before we get started, for all of you out there that love Peter Escher and his insights, you can follow him now on TikTok and he has his own Instagram. I'm following him. He also has his own weekly articles that he puts out at Peter Escher. So make sure to Google him and get all his goss. A lot of things that I say that sound smart are just copying what he's just said to me 10 minutes earlier. Um, <clears throat> mate, I agree. I'm looking forward to this podcast because... Last year was a very interesting year. It was um, a big year for me personally. I had a, a baby who turned now one just the other day, um, you know, wrote a book and I faced, you know, eight, nine interest rate rises, peak inflation, changing business. It's It's been crazy. How about you, man? Um, yeah, very similar, except for the newborn experience. Uh, we had that a long time ago and that's why, you know, I've lost all my hair and I'm going gray now. Um, so that's what you've got to look forward to. But it's really good. Uh, it's a good grounding experience, gives you purpose in your life. And, um, you know, you, you, you go through those periods and you bounce back and you just get hungrier and hungrier to do more, which is why we're here today. Uh, interesting time in the market. We've seen a lot of cycles together. This is another cycle that we're experiencing. It's very different to other cycles. And um, it's fun. I'm having a lot of fun. You know, it's interesting um, because it's interesting as an individual to go through these different cycles and going through the cycles at different positions in your life. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you're younger, in your early 20s, mid 20s, you've got no one depending upon you. You haven't got much debt to your name and you can watch the industry do what it's going to do. And it feels like you're kind of on a bit of a passive ride. You're just they're doing whatever the market tells you and it doesn't really impact you that much. But once you have a bigger investment in what's happening, once you start to accumulate debt and you have people dependent upon the decisions that you're making, suddenly it starts to feel like there's a lot more involved in the RBA just increased rates, inflation's at 7%, you know, property markets drop by 10 or 15%. These things start to stick out a lot more in your mind and I can feel it from our clients. They're only new investors or maybe buying their own home. You can feel some of that anxiety. Do you think that that anxiety is warranted? Do you think that the score, the, the, the sky's falling out, falling down? Or, you know, is there something else that our, our clients and people that are listening to us can, can take from the news or take from you today? I think people are always fascinated in markets, market movements. Um, there's something in our inherent nature we like to predict. We like to look forward, you know, astrology, wizardry, whatever it is. We like to anticipate what's going to happen next. And when it comes to markets, whether it's stocks, crypto, foreign exchange, uh, commodities or real estate, people are always curious about what comes next, you know, what's around the corner. So um, every cycle, you know, you have your ups and downs. And I think what's different with this cycle is there's a lot of investors, there's a lot of new investors in, in this in this market at the moment that haven't experienced interest rates rising they just don't 
you know, they haven't, they're not useful, whether it's their age, their education, their experience or whatever it is. And I think it's a really good experience. I think the best thing, you know, that you can experience as an investor is ups, downs, booms, busts, because it makes you stronger, makes you more resilient, makes you wiser, um, and it helps you prepare for the future. So like all growing up experiences, some of them are painful, um, but with every period of pain, there's an opportunity. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of opportunity to learn from this market. Uh, what a lot of people are starting to realize now is that just because interest rates are rising, it doesn't necessarily mean that prices are going to continue to fall. And that's an important lesson because investing is not, real estate is beautiful because it's a simple asset, uh, but predicting markets is not simple. It's not a simple task and you should treat predictions very, very carefully. So you've said a lot of really important things. And one part that really stuck out to me is you believe that there are some opportunities that are springing up in this current cycle. You and I have kind of been counterintuitive with a lot of the things that we've said in the past. And I want to say it here, we've been right a lot of the times. And if we haven't, you can let us know in the comments. But what opportunities do you see in the market or where do you where do you think there's an inappropriate amount of attention going versus where where you're looking? So a lot of this market is focused on the demand side of the equation. So when interest rates do rise, it impacts demand. That's the whole point, right? But what a lot of people miss is the reasoning, right? And, and the step-by-step -step thinking through first, second, third order effects. And we take it back to first principles. The reason why interest rates are rising is because uh, the economy is strong. That's why interest rates rise, right? So rates rising is a good thing. Now, a lot of people look at their bank balance and say, well, hang on, I'm paying more interest. How can that be a good thing? You have to really look at it in context. What you were paying was fake, right? So it's like a patient that is injured um, and goes into hospital and they pump you up with painkillers. You feel great on painkillers, but guess what? You're on painkillers because there's something wrong. You know, there's, and then when they take you off painkillers, there's a little bit of pain adjustment, but it's good because you're going back to normal. You're going back into rehab. You're building your muscles back and so on. And that's where we are at the moment. So I think with that, uh, people need to understand that we are in a very, very strong economy. We have a very good jobs market. And with that, there's a lot of opportunities because people working, people making money, people spending money is very good for an investor. That means that there's going to be a lot of growth. Um, and that also means that there's going to be a limitation on supply. And I think that's that's the opportunity to focus on what's happening on supply, not just what's hoping, uh, happening on demand where 90% of the attention is focused. I see. And you're saying that basically the economy is in a very strong position, jobs market's full. And I think people listening and watching this can feel that anyone out there that's tried to hire a cleaner, you know, get a trade, any trade to do anything. It still feels very, very hard and, and prices are still quite high. Um, it's, it does feel busy out there. I don't know about you, but anytime I call a friend and say, how are you? What are you doing? How's, how's it going? I'm so busy. No one's sitting on their hands doing nothing. And it feels like people are out there making money, but Diving more specifically, you know, you're you're a, a, an interesting investor, Pete, because you put your money in every everything. Um, 
where specifically would you say are some of the 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 interesting opportunities for you? And when I say opportunities, uh, think about it more from an early or new investor. If you are new to the game and you're talking to that part of the market, what's the type of stuff that you would be looking at that doesn't carry a huge amount of risk? Because there are lots of good investments out there where you'll yeah. make a huge return, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we want to go take the the necessary pain that comes with that return. Where would you start if you were starting today? Okay, so if you're a new investor listening to this or you're someone that has invested a little bit but you want to take your investing to the next level, what I've learned in almost 20 years of investing in markets is that investing is about scarcity. So start off with that concept that I want to buy something that's scarce. Um, you make money by buying things that are scarce because that's where the reward is. That's what people pay you to use as your rent and that's what people will pay you to buy off you um, when you sell. So, you know, when we get engaged, we usually go and buy one of these things. Um, and usually we go and buy, where we put on it a diamond. And the whole reason why diamonds are expensive, apparently, is because they're scarce. Um, so the whole reason why you invest in real estate is because it's scarce and that scarcity creates demand, right? So I'll go and buy an apartment and because you can't just manufacture an apartment out of thin air, Someone's going to pay me X amount per week. And in the future, I'm going to be able to sell that. So start off with what is the most um, quality, scarce asset I can afford to buy today? And that's what you should do. What's happened in the past three years is a couple of things have impacted scarcity for real estate. First of all, the material costs have gone up and they've come down a little bit but they're still higher than what they were and they're going to become more and more expensive in the future. So your timber, your plaster, your concrete, your steel, everything that goes into creating um, real estate has become more scarce. With interest rates rising, money that builders and developers use to build and sell to you has become more scarce, right? So everything's becoming more scarce the one thing that isn't becoming scarce is cash. So, you know, cash is still being created and, and exists out there. So if you're a new investor, I really think any type of real estate that you buy, as long as it's scarce and as long as it has an ability to generate money today um, and, and help you fund that investment is, is a great starting point. I think going forward, and sorry, maybe I took a while to, to explain this, but I think... One of the most important things at the moment is to look at the rents that real estate gives you and don't just assume that they're going to be the rents of tomorrow or in the rents of three or five years' time. Rents are going to rise because we're not creating as much real estate as we used to or as much that we should to meet the demand of our population. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point because one of the things that we said last year and we said the year before was COVID won't last forever, borders will open up, tourists will come back, migrants will come back, and students will come back. Now, what we've seen are those three things are starting to unfold. Migrants are now near back to pre-pandemic levels. So there's 120, 30 or thousand migrants coming back into Australia. Um, tourism is coming back. Well, it's, it's uh, certainly flourishing. And students are coming back in droves. 
Now, the interesting thing that we then predicted was that as a result of this, apartment rents specifically were going to increase. Melbourne apartment yeah. rents jumped by more than 30%. Um, apartment rents have across the country largely gone up, but in specific markets have gone up much more than others. And as you said earlier, the cost of construction has gone up. So it's becoming harder for people to go and build. Um, yeah. And approvals have come back. Now, we're very lucky because we get to sit with some of Australia's best developers and just have these kinds of conversations. Now, the word on the street from my most recent conversations is that there are a lot of developers sitting out there and waiting. No one's in a hurry to go and build more apartments, houses or townhouses because they want to one see some of the steam come out of the cost of construction which may take quite a while. And two, they genuinely be believe that apartment prices are going to increase. And that's purely off the fact that um, the cost of a house versus an apartment, that gap is way too high. And they truly believe that if they wait two or three years, there's going to be a huge price increase in apartment markets. Now, the interesting thing for me as well is, now this is a little bit of quiet conversation that, may or may not happen, but we can say you heard it here first. Um, there's quite a lot of lobbying going on in the background. Now, Peter, you follow politics pretty closely and can probably explain what lobbying is and what the impacts are, where um, a lot of developers and people in real estate are saying that there's a huge supply shortage and that's because we can't get the, you know these properties out of the ground for the prices that they need to be. And they should remove, the government should remove the double stamp duty that foreigners are currently paying. Um, what impact do you think that would have, if any, if that comes into place? So going back to what I was saying earlier, you know, you can look at it as impact on demand or impact on supply. I like to look at impact on supply because we can make assumptions around how people will behave, um, but there's a lot of variables, right? So you might get a lot of investors that do this or that or whatever. But if you have a look at supply, because again, real estate is a finite asset. There's only so much of it you can create and the price will be determined by demand or supply. If you have a look at supply, supply is in a big, big problem. So that initiative that you're talking about is developers going and saying, hey, we want to supply this stuff because that's how we make money. And you need it because you have a problem with enough adequate rental. In, in society, people need to be able to rent at an affordable price. That's rents, rents that are too high are not good, right? It's very bad for the economy. It's good short-term for investors, but people will run away and go and live somewhere else. So we need a, a supply solution and everyone's kind of scratching their heads and coming up with little thought bubbles. Um, I don't know if, if, if foreigners are able to buy, I think that, my, my first assumption is that's going to push prices up even more. Is that going to encourage uh, supply? I don't know. I don't think so because, um, because if I wanted to build something, there are different ways that I can sell it and make money of it. I just think that willingness to build a lot of developers, a lot of builders are worried, are scared. They're just, you know, they're like cats hiding in the corner. And just because the government changes policy, I don't think it's, we're going to see a big wave of su supply come through. Mm. You think it's going to hold tight? 
And look, the most recent reporting, which you posted the other day, the housing industry Australia um, has said that, you know, basically it's 50% less supply coming on than what it was this time last year, which is crazy. Um, So as you said, we all like to do get the magic crystal ball out and do some predictions into the future. How do you see the next 12, 24 months um, going in the property market? Uh, what kind of bets are you taking and where would you sort of be placing your money in? Where do you think the big, big growth stories are? And may, let me just also preface this, <laughs> that I know you hate taking predictions for less than 12 months because it doesn't matter. But tell yeah. me that and maybe tell me what you think that take the longer view as well. I'll give you my view on predictions and then I'll answer your question. I remember when I was young, my grandmother used to read coffee cups. It's a Mediterranean culture where they drink coffee, they turn it upside down. They go outside and smoke a cigarette, they come back. And then, you know, my grandma, who's got married when she was 16, never went to school, will tell you your future out of a coffee cup, right? And everyone used to sit around and and pay attention, not because they believed it, but because we all want to hear predictions, right? We're all sitting on the edge of our seats. uh, I just moved forward. I'm like, tell me this, tell me your prediction. So um, I think my... This is not a prediction. This is my kind of guess as to how I see um, the demand and supply of real estate um, panning out. I think the real estate industry at the moment is in a freeze. Okay, very important. Things have frozen. What the freeze means is that um, people are reluctant to sell their homes because for me to sell my home, I either have to go and buy something else which is now harder to borrow money. The loan that I have on my current loan, I might not be able to get on a cheaper home or I have to go and rent something, right? And the rental market is very, very tight. So I probably can't even go and rent what I have now, which means I'm locked in, I'm frozen in. That means I have to pay what I have to pay and I have to go and try to fund that. I need to go and get paid more money. Um, I need to get a pay rise. I need to cut costs, whatever. So, so, so the seller is frozen now, right? Frozen in. What happens is supply comes down. Less sales on the market. Now the buyers are frozen out too because they want options. They don't want to be suckers. So you have less activity, less sales. Because you have less sales, less production of real estate, less supply coming in. I don't think that's going to change. I think that stays as is. And I think that's what's going to hold prices frozen. I think prices will freeze where they are at the moment. I think they've come down. They went up a lot. They came down. And now they're going to be frozen around this band. Yeah, that's a really good prediction, Pete. Um, It makes a lot of sense. And I can feel that. That, that sense of being frozen from a lot of the people that I'm talking to because borrowing capacities have come down significantly. Um, and it is, it is difficult um, to go back out there and find something. There is less supply onto the market. There are less uh, people that are willing to sell their homes because what are they going to go and buy? Um, one thing that I think is going to be interesting to watch is we've certainly got a couple rate rises ahead, but, I do think that at a point there will be a plateau and once we see the temporary rate rises come back down, that may inject a little bit more confidence again. Um, And that confidence will have a spillover effect. So I think that the 12 month outlook, 12 month guess, you know, prediction is, I think a freeze is about right. 
as a general mass market wide prediction. But if we're going to segment it and go further, I think that the bottom part of the market, the the, the cheapest 25%, we're going to see maybe a little bit more movement than the top parts of the market because there's a lot more um, activity. They're probably less frozen in the top part and the middle part of the market. And we may even see some really good price growth in those affordable markets where we've seen some really strong rental growth. I think that this is a good year for people that are looking to make investments specifically, um, especially if you're looking for price sensitive stuff. And I also think that we're going to see a little bit of activity because it is a good time to upgrade your home. I said this earlier, the reason why it's such a good time to upgrade your home is because if I'm coming out of a small house that's had a 10% correction and my house is 500K, um, that's a $50,000 discount. But if I'm now buying a million dollar house at a 10% correction, they've lost 100K. So I'm making a $50,000 arbitrage and upgrading my house. But yeah. I don't know if a lot of people are going to be doing that because it takes a lot of confidence to take on more debt when interest rates are rising. And, you know, I don't know if Unless you've got incomes. strong income. Unless you're yeah, strong you need income. strong income. And there are a lot of people in the economy with strong income particularly in the major metropolitan cities, um, you know, you, you tend to hear about problems, businesses that aren't doing well, people that can't pay their loans. You don't really hear about those that are doing well, making a lot of money. And it's happening. You know, if you have a look at bank balances, um, if you have a look at corporate earnings, you know, corporate earnings are very, very, very strong. If you have a look at the banks, what they're reporting, your big companies, they're all doing really, really well. And again, that's why rates are rising because that patience that was on morphine has now recovered and is now back, you know, getting life back on track. Um, I think the last thing on a, the last point I want to make, Dom, is that real estate's moved, real estate moves in cycles. And what we've seen in cycles is that you have extreme movements up and then you have prices come down. So prices came down last year, you know, I think 2022, maybe first half 2023, prices have come off and then they bottom and then what happens is they sit flat for a while and you have that flattening and then they move so if you're thinking about getting into the market it's a lot better getting in now than getting in where things are firing and you're having to chase the market you're getting priced out of options you know there's there's now now's a good time to go and make a long-term investment set and forget make it work for you invest in capital cities that have that income growth and again, invest in areas where it's harder and more expensive to create real estate, where there is that scarcity. And I think you can't go wrong. You've almost answered the question I was just about to ask you. And this is a shameless plug to my book. You won't fuck it up. Buying property is easier than you think. Now, what's the one piece of advice you'd give to new buyers, new homeowners, new investors, so they don't fuck up their next investment? I'll give you one word. Right, so I won't give you a long sentence. One word: scarcity. Mm. That's it. Invest in the the most scarcity that you can afford. If this painting is scarce and you can afford it, um, and it's scarce for a reason because the artist is becoming more popular, the era collectors, companies want them in their foyers or whatever. That's the reason why that artwork is going to do better than something else. If you have that principle in mind and you're always adding scarce assets to your portfolio, you're going to do really, really well. 
I really like that that way that you phrased it there. The way that I reference scarcity specifically when we're talking about real estate, because people will go in and say, "How how is me buying a unit in fifty a project that's fifty, you know, a hundred or two hundred units, or how do, how do I if I'm going to buy a house that's six hundred and fifty k in a new development or in a street that's got thousands of houses, how is that scarce?" One way that you can actually attain scarcity or get a scarce asset is by choosing something that's unique. Peter and I, when we're looking at plans, when we're looking at houses, townhouses, houses, um, apartments, we're looking for something that's unique. You know, is it facing north? Has it got a big grand balcony? Has it got an outlook? Has it got a large backyard? What unique things can you find in this property that makes it different from the 40 other houses in that street, the 100 other apartments in that building. So that uniqueness is what creates scarcity as well. That little thing that makes what you have separate or different or special from everything else. You know, the fact that this house I'm living in is 500 meters from the center of town makes it more unique than everything else that's sort of further out. So looking for those key characteristics in the investment or home that you're buying will help you attain that sense of scarcity in that individual investment or home that you buy. Peter, it's absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for jumping on in episode one. I'm sure we're going to see more of you throughout the year. Um, it's uh, really good catching up. To all of you out there, happy investing, and I hope you have a great time. Um, any parting words? Uh, I think everyone should go out and get your book. Uh, Dom's <laughs> really a great book. I think you guys should support him. And um, I'm really looking forward, Dom, to getting my copy. Thanks, mate. They're coming. I'm, I'm looking at the letterbox every hour, waiting for 500 of them to land on my front door. Awesome. I'll see you all later. Happy investing, everybody.